Hello and welcome to episode Christian Willannon of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Well, folks, we're over halfway through the season already and just under two weeks away from the trade deadline, so there are certainly some things to talk about, but far less than in the previous three deadlines for Ottawa. And to discuss trades and much more, I have Brennan Parks with me, aka Everyday Sends. Brennan, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. I know you're just on the Locked On Senators podcast, so you're a bit of a hot commodity right now. But I first just wanted to ask you about you to begin with. Like, what made you start ramping up your cover- coverage over the past year? Because honestly, like, you've been one of the most active and important people on Sens Twitter. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think as time goes on, the Sens are getting more and more exciting. And it, it's like, I have this this like overwhelming urge to constantly go on Twitter and, and <laughs> analyze things for some reason. You probably feel the same way. It's like every little mm-hmm. thing, there's so much that can be talked about that it's like there's it the content never ends, you know? So it's been fun. For, yeah, for sure. And um, now I believe, was it Instagram that you first started? Yeah. Yeah, back in 2017 on Instagram, I started. And then recently my account got disabled, so I had to restart. But yeah, it's been good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I first noticed you on Insta- Instagram as well. Um, just, you know, some really cool graphics and stuff like that. And even just on Twitter, I know that the, the gifts you provide are, are super valuable to me. And um, just like when I need to look back on things. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, I do find that you're one of the most neutral people on Twitter, which is not easy. So kudos there. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I didn't used to be like that. But uh, Twitter kind of rounded me out a little bit. <laughs> Got to look at things from both perspectives. So yeah, exactly. No, I, I like that. We kind of need people like that. So do you have an end goal in mind with with all of this with the everyday sends and, and your website and all that? Or are you just kind of going with the flow right now? I'm kind of going with the flow for now. I mean, like the websites had a good foundation too with memberships and stuff. So that's that's provided me with a little bit more than just like just free stuff and everything, which is good. Uh, you know, I'd like to take the design that I do and everything and turn it into some sort of profession or find find a, a profession in that and, and a job. But mm-hmm. right now I'm kind of going with the flow and seeing where it takes me, Just enjoying it. Yeah, no, it's great. And I think um, Senators fans certainly appreciate it. And um, I feel like just specifically this past year too, there's just been an explosion of, you know, content creators, whether that's bloggers or podcasters or um, sort of, you're, you've been sort of, doing all of that so yeah i think we're super lucky to have people like you and um certainly keep up all the great work with that and yeah i think we're just super lucky yeah i appreciate that right back at you too you're one of those people so don't be too humble (laughs) thank you thank you Brendan. yeah um but it's true definitely definitely a lot of good people to follow out there and i'll I'll, um give you a chance at the the end of the show to kind of plug everything you want because there's certainly some some things that i sure i'm sure you want people to know where they can find you but getting into the team now one of the most fascinating stories this year has been the goaltending for me and you know with Matt Murray Marcus Hogberg and now Joey Decord hurt they've had to play five different goalies what are your overall thoughts on the goaltending at the NHL level and who do you think they'll have to end up protecting in the expansion draft yeah well I mean like I've been completely torn on this I've thought about it a lot since uh, since Murray went down especially because you know Decord and Gustafson come in and they're so good now Forsberg comes in too I mean, I'm not too worried about him but mm-hmm. it's definitely a fascinating position and I never played it so I can't go too crazy with like what goes into it but the expansion draft's going to be tough because I don't think there's a wrong answer right now between Gustafson and Decord 
uh, I think the wrong answer is protecting Murray. <laughs> yeah. And I have this small fear that they will do that, which I don't want to have, but I do. And I mean, if Seattle takes Murray in that contract, we can thank them. Like we don't need to be protecting him. That shouldn't even be in Pierre Dorian's head or anybody's, you know, thought process. I think it's down to Gustafson and Decord. And uh, I'm interested to hear what you're leaning towards on that. I'm leaning towards Gustafson right now, even though I love Joey. I think he's fantastic. I think he's the more like solid option. I think he's more confirmed to be like like a projected starting goaltender in my mind. And Gustafson's more of a risk, but he's also two years younger. And I think age is so valuable with goalies. And mm-hmm. uh, and like I don't know. I see more star potential there. It's more of a risk, but I see a higher ceiling. If you know what I mean. I think I'm pretty much on the same track as you. I think that the only thing that worries me with with Murray is that, you know, Dorian is the one that signed him to this contract. So, like, I worry it would be, like, some sort of pride thing where, you know, he thinks he's worth the contract and will want to protect him. Also, at the same time, like, how how bad is it going to look for, you know, like, Eugene Melnick looking at this saying, okay, you gave this goalie, you know, what was it, 20 what like 26 million or something like that and then you're just gonna not protect him in the expansion draft like you know not really spending his money very wisely so I think I think you're right also with with the Gustafson Decord thing I think Gustafson kind of has the lower floor but probably the higher ceiling and you know the injury to Decord obviously it's not it's not great like we would have liked to see him play but there's some silver lining to that in the sense that Maybe Seattle is less likely to take him because, you know, he only played a few games this season. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely true. I mean, his stats also aren't great this season, even though I think he's been really good. You know, mm-hmm. he's got, what, a .897 save percentage or something. So, you know, they look at that and it's like very small sample size, 24 years old. I don't know that they're going to be overly interested. I know there's a yeah. few a plethora of names out there from other teams, too. So I'm not too, too worried about it in that sense. But uh I think that injury definitely does play a role in in their decision. For sure, yeah. So I think as long as they take one of Gustafson or Decord, I think that, you know, should be okay. If you had to pick right now who you think they they will actually protect, what's your gut feeling right now? Oof. It's hard to differentiate between who I think they'll do and who I want them to do. Yeah. I, I honestly I think they would protect Decord right now. I I I think you're right with the Murray thing. It's a pride thing. And you also have to think, like, if you don't protect him from his standpoint, is he really going to feel like I'm the guy for the next, right. what, three years? Like, you just basically said they can take me for free, right? So it's like, I don't know how that's going to go over. But at the same time, uh, losing uh, losing either of those guys, Gustafson or Decord, it just, like, it hurts me on the inside a little bit. But uh, I think they I think they go with Decord. I think they feel like he, he has a solid role here and is a big part of the future. I could certainly but, see that. Oh, sorry. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. But yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> for sure. And I mean, I don't think anyone was even really thinking about Gustafson literally just a couple weeks ago. So these yeah. things can change so quickly. Um, and hell, I mean, there's a chance that Seattle doesn't even take a goalie from Ottawa. Like maybe they want to take Chris Tierney or something. Oh, like I hope that. So, so. Yeah. yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, this whole conversation could be moot. But yeah, so moving beyond that, I'm kind of interested because. Ottawa just has, you know, other prospects as well. They have Kevin Mandelays, they have Mad Sogard, Levy Marilinen. Um, I don't think I'm missing anyone. But out of those guys, in- including the five that have played so far, or sorry, 
well, we're not really including Anton Forsberg, but the four uh, that we're main, mainly focusing on, which goalie are you most confident in moving forward? Um, I'm almost going to say Decord. I, I like, I have a lot of confidence in Decord. I think he, mm-hmm. like, I, he's going to be 25 next year. I think he can step into a bigger role. Uh, and I hate to say that because of Murray's contract. Like, I, I do think Murray's going to bounce back and find confidence. But at the same time, like, his entire career has never been based on consistency. You know, he's always been an inconsistent goaltender that's very streaky. And I don't – that doesn't instill confidence in me <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Like, I feel more comfortable with a guy like Decord that will come in and give you a chance to win. And, like, you know he's such a competitor. So I do think Murray will hold the starting role and will be that guy for a little while. But – I do see him being overtaken at some point in the, in the next few years for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree there. And I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Hoberg too, because he's an RFA this summer. Like I could just imagine them either like non-tendering him or, you know, trading him for some random prospect or something, just because, you know, if they want to see Decord take over that, that second role behind Murray, or maybe even the first, first spot, um, you know, I could certainly see them moving on from Hoberg. So you know, the fact that they ha- at least have so many bodies, whether any of them will turn out to be good is is another story. But the fact that they have so many options is at least interesting. And, you know, it, it's not as if it's there's no depth there whatsoever, at least. Yeah, like they, they have so many good goalie prospects, like you said. It's like that's why moving on from Hoberg, for example, too, wouldn't be the worst thing. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's not that big of a loss. And he's been completely brutal this season until the last two games before his injury. So I don't think fans would be too too heart wrenched about that, um, and, and they do have a lot of depth, and so that that allows them to kind of be okay with losing Gustafson or Decord. But at the same time, it's like you think back to what we lost Bishop, Dreger, and uh, yeah, um, Leonard. Leonard, Leonard before, <laughs> and it's like you don't want to lose a guy like Gustafson or Decord and have them go turn into a starter for Seattle for years to come and just a world wrecker, and and you're you're feeling bad yet again, right? So it's a big decision. Hopefully they don't take either, like. Like I will gladly hand over Chris Tierney if that's what they would they would prefer, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. All we can really do is hope right now, I guess. I mean, they could also go the trade route of protecting them. I don't think they'll do that. Yeah. But they could like offer an asset. I actually got some stats. There was ten trades in the 2017 expansion draft, like in regards to protecting players. Holy. Getting, wow. Yeah, for Vegas. So there was uh, like Alex Tuck got traded as a prospect from Minnesota to Vegas uh, in order for them to not take Dumba or Scandella at the time. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, Tuck was considered to be like a top prospect. So it's just a similar situation. Shea Theodore was in the same boat. So they could also go that route of trying to protect both of their goaltenders. I don't think they will because of the depth, but it's an option. I mean, like, is a third round pick more valuable than, than Decord, for example? It's tough. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, most of those trades worked out extremely well for Vegas. So, you know, they got to be yeah. really careful to not give up, you know, <laughs> who knows what they would have to give up, like, uh, you know, Formanton or Abramov or something oh, like yeah. that. Like, I don't think that would be worth it um, just to no. give, you know, two players away for free. But it's going to be fascinating. And I mean, we're going to be talking about this all the way until what, when is the draft in July, I guess, or end of June or something. So something. it'll be lots of fun. But I wanted to talk about the Christian Willannon deal. And, you know, I said this on Twitter. It's ironic that this episode is the Christian Willannon episode because it's the 86th episode. Um, because, yeah, obviously he was dealt yesterday to the LA Kings for Michael Amadio. And that was after he had already cleared waivers. So, like, we knew the writing was on the wall there. What do you make of Willannon's tenure in Ottawa? 
Yeah, I liked it. I think it's a bit preemptive to move on so fast. Like, 58 career games, 18 games in the last two seasons because of that torn labrum last year. It's like, like Bruce Garriak said on Twitter, he's not a prospect, and a lot of people think he is. But at the same time, like, he's super new to the league, right? Like, 58 career games, that's not even a full season. It's not even that close to a full season. And so it's like, when do rookies ever come in and just dominate the league, right? Especially out of college. So, you know, I don't know, 58 games, 18 games the last two seasons. It's hard to move on from that fast. But at the same time, he is 26 and he didn't show a whole lot. Like, I'm not too concerned he's going to go to L.A. and like break out. I mean, I hope he does for him. I like him as a person, but I'm not too concerned he's going to go be like the next Eric Carlson or anything. You know, like I think I think it's fine to move on from at this point. And I like Amadio. For sure. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, we can get into Amadio in a second, too. And then just with with Willannon, you're right. Like, it certainly wasn't a massive um, sample size and I think in his previous 40 games in 1718 and 1819 you know he was really solid I would I would say he was you know probably only Shabbat and DeMello were better than him um, during that time and I think he certainly is capable of more I think as you said though only those 18 games um, you know having the injury and then having COVID affect him not not the that he got COVID, but just the time off. I think like, it's so hard to just come back into the league and expect to be, um, you know, a a good second pairing guy. So I think just his, I believe it was 15 games played this year. It's just, it's not enough. And I, I think, as you said, I wouldn't expect him to be a star in LA. Um, and like, there's a realistic scenario where he's just out of the league next year or the year after that. But I do think the talent is there and if he's able to overcome this injury, like I see some similarities with, you know, Colin White was really not great last year after, you know, coming back from his injury and, you know, there's a chance that Willannon does bounce back. But again, I don't think it's the end of the world. Like all these moves where we've lost, you know, Balsers and um, I'm assuming we'll probably lose Logan Brown eventually. Like, you know, not the end of the world. It just kind of sucks because I was pretty high on him, but yeah, do you have any thoughts on Amadio coming into Ottawa? Yeah, I, I like him. I mean, at least for Willen, we got something, right? Like, if we yeah. would have just lost him on waivers, that would have stung a little bit, too, because that's Balser's topic. Uh, Yarrow, did we lose? We lose, lost Yarrow's, too. Uh, and Willen for, like, next to nothing, right? And so that would have sucked. Mm-hmm. But I like Amadio. I think, like, last season, it's important to note, so he's got 168 career games played. So he's a little bit more solidified. 2014 third-round pick. Uh, last season though, he, he served a full-time role for LA. Like he was in 68 games. He registered career highs and games played assists points, uh, Corsi, his Corsi and expected goals for were both above 54%, which is solid for 68 games. You know, I mean, it's a fourth line role, but yeah, can't ask for much more. <laughs> and, uh, and he, he lost that role this year, but I did like, like from what I saw of him last year, I liked his game. And if nothing else, he'll come in, he'll be really good for Belleville, who is struggling offensively this year. I've watched their games, and man, they, they don't have a lot up front, aside from a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I listened to one of the Kings analysts talk about him yesterday, and they said that he was an elite AHL guy that just couldn't transfer it to the NHL at this point. And sometimes that insinuates that he'd benefit from a change of scenery. Um, so we'll see there. But if not, then, you know, if he's, a, if he's an elite AHL guy, then all for it. Like, get Belleville some improvements, and why not? For sure. I mean, you kind of need those guys. Like, Belleville had Jordan Schwartz, I think, was it last year? I believe. Like, there's just, they need, you know, they had, like, Paul Carey a few seasons ago. Like, you just kind of need those AHL veterans. And, you know, he is a year younger than than Willannon as well. So, 
Um, it's not as if he's, you know, some guy over 30 years old. You know, probably an inconsequential trade at the end of the day. But as he said, Belleville certainly hasn't been good this year. And actually, I should have looked this up before. But do you know, is he like an RFA at the end of the year? Yeah, I think he's an RFA at the end of the year. And Will okay. Lennon could be either at the end of the year. Right, right. So, I mean, I would assume hopefully they can keep Amadio just mainly for, for some Belleville depth. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to hear what what you think about the whole situation like what would you have done differently over the past few months with Willannon if anything yeah I said it on the Locked on Sense podcast actually as one of my moves about what DJ Smith should do for the rest of the season I said they should mm-hmm. just keep playing him like don't I, I wouldn't have even traded them I would have just kept playing him and, and give him given him an extended look because like 15 games this season I mean yeah he wasn't great like he was fine but he wasn't what they wanted clearly uh but yeah. i mean 15 games and, and he was like in and out too right it's hard to find a rhythm when you're constantly going in and out same with brandstrom and so i would have given him an extended look i would have let him finish the season and gone from there if you don't like him at the end of the season and he, he's really struggling through and and over the last few months too i would have played him for most of the season like he should always be in over cobra and Gibranson, josh brown even like whatever it is just like <laughs> he should always be in the lineup and i would have played him consistently let him find that rhythm and if he's not working out then at least you know right like you know that he's not going to go somewhere else and get the chance and be really good so yeah i'm fully on board with that i would have loved to see that i i agree that 15 is not really enough and it is hard to get into that rhythm so don't really have much more to add to that i fully agree there but you know i wish him all the best and you know i hope well in a selfish way i hope he isn't like amazing in la but i hope he's you know you know continues his nhl career and is at least like uh you know a solid depth guy or something like that um, not not burn us too much. So <laughs> that's exactly how I feel too. He seems yeah. like a really good guy. So yeah, you, know, you wish the best for him, but like don't don't be another <laughs> one of those guys that goes off in LA. You know? Exactly, exactly. So now a game for the ages was played on Saturday night, and that was the NCAA game between University of North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth, which ended in the fifth overtime with UND getting eliminated. So I mean, this might be dated by tomorrow or Thursday. But Shane Pinto, Jacob Bernard Docker, and Jake Sanderson, and I guess even Tyler Clevin, uh, could potentially sign with the Senators. What do you think they do here, and what would you do? Yeah, I think JVD signs for sure. From everything I've heard, I think it was Simmer that said uh, Pinto was waiting a little bit or something. I'm not sure. I think he'll sign too. Like I think Pinto's ready to come in, and he could be really good in Belleville, for Belleville and for himself. Uh, Bernard Docker, I think, gets a role in Ottawa next year, so I think he signs this year and plays for Belleville too, and does is a big addition there. Um, Sanderson's the interesting one to me because, like, I think Sanderson's ready, but I think he wants to go back to school for another year from every like from all the signs that are pointing in that direction, and I think that could benefit him too. Like, you look at Cal McCarr, who he was probably ready to come to Colorado after his first year with UMass. But he went back and he was the captain and he destroyed the league. And then he came in and he won the Calder last year, I'm pretty sure, right? So, mm-hmm, yeah. like, Sanderson might do that too, and that would be fine. Um, I do think that JBD and Pinto come over, though, and are big, big roles for Belleville. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably likely. Um, you know, we saw Colin White initially came over with the Belleville tryout. I think he only played a few games and then ended up signing. Um, so, and I think a lot of people were talking about the fact that. If they, if they are able to delay Pinto and Bernard Docker's ELCs till next year, then they will be, um, they won't line up with Stutzla as an RFA. And I mean, that's, 
I don't know how much that'll actually matter, but you know, you sort of have to think about these things. So I'd love to see JBD and Pinto play some games this season, but um, you know, we might have to settle just for Belleville, which I'd be fine with. And like, yeah, were, were you able to watch any of the overtime of that game? Yeah, I saw from the second overtime to the fifth. I thought the game would be over, and I looked, and I'm like, how is this not bad? I went from 7.30 until, like, 2. Yeah, like... insane. <laughs> but, I mean, Sanderson, though, was just, it literally looked like he was never tired. That was nuts. Like, he was going out in the fifth overtime and just zooming by everybody. Like, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's yeah. why I said, like, will he eventually overtake Shabbat? Like, five overtimes, and this uh-huh. guy is still not tired. Like, my I mean, God. I... Yeah, it's insane. Like I could I could envision a scenario where he sort of takes over that role of like being the horse on the team where he's, you know, DJ Smith just you know, plays him 30 minutes in, in really uh important games and stuff like that. And then I think that would be so good for Shabbat to, you know, not be the guy in terms of like he can be the the guy offensively, but then you can just sort of let Sanderson be that two-way guy that can kind of do everything. But yeah, like honestly, it's I'm just very eager to watch all these guys, and I, I don't know how much we will see them this year, but I think for for next season, we'll certainly... I'd be shocked if Pinto and Bernard Docker didn't spend, like, at least a good chunk of next season in Ottawa. And, you know, obviously, if Bernard Docker doesn't sign in the next, you know, what, few weeks, I guess, then that's pretty worrisome because... Um, then he could just leave as a UFA the following summer, but I'd be shocked if that happened. Yeah, I think I think he'll definitely sign. Pinto too could start next season in Belleville, play like half the season, and then take over. Like I could envision yeah. Chris Tierney being traded at next season's deadline, and then Pinto takes his spot, for example. Like I think that'd be ideal. There's yeah. a bunch of ways. Yeah, I think JBD starts in Ottawa though. Like I think he's ready. He spent what three seasons in at UND, so I yeah. think that extra year gives him the tools he needs. Like he's ready to go. He should be a big addition too. Yeah. And I mean, just just how desperately they need a solid defensive right hand shot back there. Like they they desperately need them. Um, I just hope they don't, you know, have too high expectations and and kind of, um, you know, throw them into the fire. I guess. But like, what do you think? What kind of impact do you think these three can have right away and also moving forward? Uh, I think JBD comes in and like with Ottawa next year, he comes in and he, he starts in like a bottom four role, but eventually like even next season, I could see them testing him with Shabbat for sure. Like, I think he yeah. like, like I said, he's ready. Is he 21 now? 22? I think he's ready to He'd take on a bigger 21, yeah. 21, yeah. So maybe a little bit of like easing him into it, sort of like Formington is, and then taking on that bigger role. Um, Pinto, like I said, I think starts... I don't know. I don't see him starting with Ottawa next year. I see him starting in Belleville, but um, I think he'll quickly earn that role. Or, I mean, I said the same thing about Norris and look at him. So I don't know. Maybe he does start in Ottawa. (laughs) I think they could both take on big roles, though. And I think when Sanderson does come over, he'll also take on a fairly big role because he's just such a workhorse, right? Like he's he's ready to go at all times. So, yeah. Yeah. And I can certainly see all three of them being very important players for the team. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to leave out Clevin as well, but he's certainly like the kind of forgotten guy amongst these four. Cause he'll probably last like, I don't know, three, maybe even four seasons at, at college, just because I feel like there won't be really any room for him in Ottawa for a while, but yeah, it, it'll be awesome to get to see these guys in Ottawa soon. And even if it's Belleville, but 
certainly something to keep an eye on in the next couple weeks as we look to see them sign with Ottawa. Now, the trade deadline is on Monday, April 12th. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 30th. So that's less than two weeks away. This year is obviously going to be a lot different than the past three years with far fewer trade chips. And we already saw Willana get moved, but who else do you think Pierre Duran will move before the deadline? Yeah, I think it's going to be quieter than a lot of people expect because we seem like big sellers this year, but we don't actually have that many pieces. Like you look at it and you've got like Good Branson, Coburn, um, I had somebody else too, but they, like those guys probably won't even get much interest at all, if any. And if they do get anything, just take it, but they're probably yep. not going to. Um, then your most attractive pieces are like Dezingle, um, oh, I'm blanking on that. Mike Riley? I mean, you got Dezingle. Yes, Dezingle, Riley, and Tierney, I guess. Like I've seen talk about Tierney. I don't know that anybody's going to want Tierney's contracts. I think he's due like 4.2 million next season. He's backloaded. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm, I mean, I would still trade him, but I don't know he's going to get much interest. Uh, Dezingle, I've remained adamant that they should keep him. I love him. He's one of my favorite players. It's biased, sure, but I think he, he's been phenomenal. Like on the ice, he's been exactly what you want from a veteran, right? He's 28, and he's he seems like he really wants to be in Ottawa too. So it's tough to move a guy like that. Uh, that that seems to really add to the culture and is actually effective on the ice. Like I hate to do this, but comparing him to Dadnov, their performances, it's just crazy. Like the difference. Zingle comes in, he's making so much less in such a small role, and he's still so effective on every shift. And Dadnov's not, <laughs> but at the same time, like you can't really move Dadnov. His contract kind of keeps him there, and that's fine. You should keep him. Um, I think they probably do move to Zingle just because of you know they need to bring Formanton in next season, and you want to create that space. Uh, there are ways to keep him. Like I think you could move Tierney, uh, put Paul at center, and then you can have Formanton up with the Zingle in the lineup. Still, like it, it, there are ways to do it, but I don't know. I don't feel like they should move him for like a fourth round pick. That just doesn't seem valuable to me <laughs> i know it's an asset but uh, i'd be okay with keeping them if that's all you can get you know and then uh and, and riley too sorry you can go well yeah i mean well let, let i guess let's let's stick on dezingle and then we can get get to riley yeah. um yeah. no i i agree with dezingle i think it's very like i'd be totally fine with either way i think i certainly see the value like i like you do um with having him on the fourth line like we're actually having an effective fourth line i do think his his scoring will probably go down a bit. He had what I think five goals in like eleven games or something. But like he obviously is still a, a decent player, especially in the bottom six. And um, you can certainly have a lot worse options out there. So I think yeah, if if, if he's willing to sign for like one or two years, I'd, I'd be totally for that. Um, but at the same time, like. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe a team is going to be willing to give up a second round pick again for him. And if, if so, I, I would be, you know, I, I it'd That'd be, be hard for me to turn that down. But you're right. Like yeah. maybe they're only offering a fourth um, because his contract is a bit bigger, even though he's he's a rental. So it's I, I know a lot of people have sentimental value like like yourself. Um, and, and I get why. So it's a tough decision decision for him. Yeah, it is. And um yeah i mean if we can get a second round pick i'm all for it like like i'll take yeah. that all day you know that's if we can really like credit to pierre dorian if he really just went out and got to single and traded him for another second round pick like that would be <laughs> Three hilarious that is like yeah that's awesome but yeah. i don't know there were there was a, a rumor out there that he wouldn't get more than like a fourth and so mm. then it becomes interesting because if you move him for a fourth and it, it just feels so like i don't know forced almost and, and maybe you have to but i'd be okay with keeping him too if, if he will sign short term of course for, for sure low well, 
I mean, it's interesting to look at the list of um, pending UFAs that Otto has actually re-signed. It's hilariously small. It was like Magnus Pyarvi, Mike Condon, um, and I guess Tom Pyatt. It was like just, you know, a handful of guys over the past decade. And, it you know, they almost never keep them. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do move to Zingle. Um, I guess we might as well get to Riley as well. Are you kind of similar with him? in terms of like wanting to keep him or trade him? Yeah, I don't feel as attached to Riley, but um, <laughs> he has turned his season around. He's been really, really good over the last like month. He's been one of our better defenders. Like he's, I'd say he's been the most reliable defender, maybe other than Zub, I guess. Um, and so I do think they want to keep him next year, especially with moving Will Lannan, because I think he'd be really good on that bottom pairing if you bring JBD in too. Uh, and with Branstrom in full time, like that could be a solid decor in one off season, right? You flip it around, and it's it's actually a decent decor. That'd be nuts. And I do think they like that. Um, it'll depend on the offers, though. I mean, again, if you can get like a second or third round pick for Mike Riley, you take that. But if not, then it's like, why not keep him? I'm sure he'll sign here short term. Like, he's he's good. Yeah, I I think the potential offers for him are probably similar to Dzingle, right? Like, I think. You know, based on wins above replacement metrics and, you know, other advanced stats, Riley's actually been, you know, one of the best defensemen in the league this year. It's very small sample, and I don't think he actually is one of the best defensemen. Um, but I don't think his trade market would reflect that, as you're saying. Like, you know, me, I they'd be lucky to get a second. Maybe it just end, ends up being a fourth because, you know, Ottawa traded a fifth to get him. And at that time, it was a bit of an overpay because they... You know, he was waived the week before. So, yeah, I'd be fine with them re-signing him, too. I do worry, though, because they they don't really... I mean, they never had Shabbat, Branstrom, and Willannon all in the same lineup because they're all sort of, like, offensive-minded. So I do worry if they'd even want to have, you know, Shabbat, Branstrom, and Riley down the left side. Um, you know, they might want someone more defensive-minded. But... Yeah, like, he's been solid this year, and, you know, if it's the difference between Riley or another guy like Good Branson or some sort of veteran like that, like, I'll take Riley every single day. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, I mean, they can put a more defensive guy back there. Just don't make it Good Branson. Like, yeah. Yeah. like, sign somebody that's actually, like, effective on the bottom pairing, you know, and reliable and can clear the net front at least. That's exactly. all I'm saying. I mean, I, yeah, and I think Riley's been better defensively as the season went on, so they might see him as more of a two-way guy, but yeah, you would probably want more of a checking guy on that third pairing if you can get him, uh, yeah. but it might come down to the offers for Riley, like, yeah. For sure, and um, I wanted to briefly touch on, so, you know, those four guys, I would say, like, Riley, Dezingle, Goodbranson, Tierney are probably, like, the most obvious ones. Artem Anisimov was waived. Um, I don't believe... I guess, will news come out tomorrow about if he's claimed or not? No, he cleared. He cleared today. He cleared. Okay, I missed that then. So yeah, he, you know, maybe to get like a very late round pick for him or something. One name, and I don't want to talk too much about this because, you know, I feel like his name is talked about all the time, but Logan Brown is probably another potential option as well. Do you think they'd be able to get anything even for him? Or like, do you think they would potentially move him? um that's a tough one i haven't like i don't know i haven't thought about too too much what their plan is for the future i don't think they're going to end up on the same page like i think they will ultimately move on from him i yeah. think his value is extremely low right now like there's not going to be much interest 
maybe you can flip him for another young struggling player sort of like that that would be my optimal move is I don't like off the top of my head wouldn't be worth it but like Middlestad has more worth than him but a guy like that that's really struggling that potentially could be flipped uh, I'd be okay with that but again I don't know how much interest he's gonna have around the league right now I'd rather give him a look to be honest with you get him yeah. healthy and give him a look like let him show you something because moving on from without getting a look, there's too much of that going on right now. I think you got to give guys a chance before they're going to come back and bite you, you know? Yeah, it's a recurring theme for sure. And, you know, I, I certainly want to see him get a look as well. It's so frustrating though, especially for, for me, because I, I feel like, well, I mean, not just me, but like, um, I feel like I'm sort of one of the Logan Brown defenders of, you know, like saying, okay, give him a chance. And I'm assuming you kind of are too. And you know, he just keeps getting hurt, right? Like, he would have apparently played with Stutzla and Batherson a few weeks ago, and then he gets injured. So he just really needs to stay healthy because, you know, I don't know if this is just, like, genetics or if this is just bad luck or, you know, uh, he's not working hard enough or something to strengthen his body. I have no idea. But it's frustrating when he, you know, this is probably, like, the fifth season in a row that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe they could get... I don't know. The first name that popped into my mind was like Josh Hosang from the Islanders, right? Like he's not even, he's not even on their taxi squad. He probably has, you know, even lower value or, and like he might not even ever play in the NHL again, but similarly struggling prospect who hasn't really gotten a chance, but yeah, it'll, it'll be like a far less interesting trade deadline. I think one thing to point out too, is that Ottawa has six picks in the 2021 draft, which obviously is one less. Um, They do have an extra second rounder. But I think what's fascinating about this draft is that scouts are going to have hardly any information to go off of, like max 30 games for some of these guys, um, which is a lot less. So I I do feel like, you know, if you are able to get a fifth or sixth round pick for a good Branson, like I feel like your chances of getting an NHL player with that pick are maybe not vastly higher, but definitely higher than in previous years, just because, you know, you don't have as much data to go off of this year. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think you're definitely right about that. And I think you definitely take whatever you can get for Gabrantz and Coburn, even Josh Brown, right? Throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Like just take what you can get and, and go with it. I mean, assets are assets and I'll take picks this year. Like you said, I think it's going to be a kind of a wild draft in that sense. There's so much less data and that's why they were pushing to extend it too, right? Like to yeah. next year. Now that it's not, it's like, okay, well, thankfully, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, I'm excited for it, though. I think we can we can end up with some good late-round picks again and go from yeah, there. So. For sure, yeah. And, um, okay, so what's the official prediction then? Who's going? Who's getting traded from Ottawa? All right, I'll go with, uh, I, I really, like, I'm looking at his jersey on the wall, so I have a really hard time coming to terms <laughs> with it. I'll say Dezingle does get traded. But I could also see him signing, but I think he will be <laughs> traded. And then I'll say, um, I'll say Riley stays. Uh, I think I think they're gonna keep him. Uh, and he he recently talked about uh, about resigning too. He said like I think they're gonna talk to me about resigning soon. So I mean that, that's something. Yeah. And then uh, I'll say Gabrant. I don't even think they're gonna get anything for Gabranson, honestly. <laughs> I just I don't like he's not even in a role right now. I don't think they're gonna get any offers for him. Maybe a sixth or seventh. I'm gonna say he stays though. I don't think they get anything for him. And same with Coburn and Josh Brown. There's just no. 
They're just, they can't <laughs> even hold a role in the sentence. So how are they going to hold a role anywhere else? I don't think True. they will. I think it'll be Dezingle and that's pretty much it, to be honest with you. Interesting. Okay. Just, okay. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't expect more than two max. So, um, yeah, much different than in years past. That's for sure. So the first 15 games of the season for the Senators were obviously a train wreck. Everyone knows that. They went 2-12-1, but since then, they've gone 10-8-3, which isn't amazing, but it's certainly respectable. Where do you think this team stands in the rebuild, and what can we expect from them the rest of the way, and then also for next season? Yeah, it's, it's been a big turnaround. I think it's it's good to he- see for the young players, too, and everything. You look at how Buffalo's doing, and it's like, thank God we are not Buffalo, 18 straight losses. So <laughs> uh, it's been good, and I think they're going to keep it up, too. Like I don't think it's just some decent stretch like it's not like they've been amazing right it's not just some hot streak they've just like rounded their game they refined their game the little things the mechanics of their game and they're actually competing now you don't see those crazy blowouts anymore so I think for the rest of this season you can expect them to continue like they are they're not going to be a playoff team or anything they're not going to make some hamburglar run or anything I mean I hope they do but it's just simply unrealistic um I think you can expect just a solid showing pretty much even record and uh and, and something to be content with, at least, which might not look great for the draft thing, but it, it honestly, it's not a draft that you need first overall in any ways. Like, it, it's the top 10 are kind of all mixed up for people. And then totally. for next season, yeah. I would go, like, I think they should be out of the bottom 10 next season. I'm straight, I'm coming out and saying that because <laughs> it's been four years in the basement, and at a certain point, you have to show that there's actually improvement happening. Uh, I think if if we're in the bottom five again next year, I know the draft is good next year and you want Shane Wright and everything, but like if you're in the bottom five again, people are going to start questioning the rebuild because it was supposed to be 2021 to 2025 that it was unparalleled success. If you're going into like 2023 bottom five again, like when does success start to actually happen? So I'm saying get out of the bottom 10, show improvement. I see Kachuk, uh, Shabbat, Norris, Stutzla, Batherson. I see all of them taking a huge step forward next year and, and propelling the team to actually being out of the bottom 10 and being close to the playoffs not in the playoffs but like a bubble team i could see that yeah and i think that would be a massive step for them to at least you know you're in january february and you're still like in the playoff race like you're not in a playoff spot necessarily but you're close and i totally agree like they have they have those pieces they have kachuk shabbat stutzla norris batherson they have these guys um they just desperately need, you know, some goaltending, a couple other strong defenders. And I think what's really cool about this offseason is that Dorian has a really big opportunity to add to this group. Um, but I think he has to be really proactive with it. And I think like an obvious move for them is to, you know, target teams that aren't able to protect their fourth defenseman in the draft. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a team like Colorado who, you know, they have Gerard, Makar, uh, Johnson has a no move clause and then they have Devon Taves. So, you know, if they can't protect one of those guys, like probably Taves, you know, try to trade for him, right? So they don't lose him for nothing. I think Doran would be super, he would look super smart for doing that because, you know, there's, there's no one else really worth protecting on Ottawa besides Shabbat and I guess Mike Riley maybe. But yeah, like I think, I think they have the potential to, to really make that push as you're saying. But I want you to finish this sentence for me, Brennan. So the Senators rebuild will be on track if blank, but it will be derailed if blank. Hmm. Is this like, there's only one answer to this or is no, 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 no. I'm just, I just okay. want like, what do you think? Okay. So 
It'll be on track if, you know what, I think it'll be on track if they stay where, like, stay on the current path. I think they are on track. I think they should go out and acquire another top four defenseman, but they have a lot of pieces in their system already, you know? Like, I think their rebuild will stay on track if they stick with it. Stick with what you've got. You've got so many, so many prospects now and talented prospects uh, and potentially add one or two more impact players and probably a defenseman. I think it'll be derailed. Hmm. I have I have confidence in the rebuild, but I, I think it'll be <laughs> derailed if you know if deployment isn't correct. I think deployment has been a huge issue for us this year. Like, there's been a lot of questioning DJ Smith's choices specifically. I think like like in my mind, Shabbat cannot continue to play over 30 minutes a game. I think stuff like that will mm-hmm. like over time take a toll on people and will derail their development to an extent. So I think you need to figure out you need to figure out if Stutzel is a center or a winger in the coming years. I think like failed decisions can lead to the derailment of this. So you have so many prospects that it's hard to think they won't at least be a competitive team in the future. But think like they, they might not be a contender, right? If they don't make the right decisions, if they don't deploy players, right? If they don't uh, decide, like if they get rid of players like Abramov who maybe turn into a middle six guy, right? Like, I don't know. I think they need to make the right decisions uh, and, and deploy players correctly or it's going to be derailed. But I have faith. I applaud you for answering that without mentioning Eugene or Melnick uh, or anything yeah, about money. Uh, but no, no, honestly, no, no, I like it. <laughs> honestly, I've completely, like, for everything now, I tried to not look at Eugene Melnick. Yeah. Because, I don't know, in my head, like, there's been so much talk about him for the last, like, ever. And there should be. But now I just completely forget about him because I'm like, if I'm going to find happiness with this team, I need to forget about Eugene Melnick. So mm-hmm. you're right, though. Yeah, for derailment, you could say maybe he doesn't sign like Kachuk or something. I just like that would obviously screw everything up. And right. The entire fan base would leave. But but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm I have wishful thinking with Eugene. For sure. And yeah, like I'm not going to like if I truly thought, you know, he was never going to spend it all or that. And I mean, honestly, most of my ho- hope lies in the fact that he'll sell eventually. Um, but yeah, like I'm not gonna bring it up every single time because it just gets it gets so tiresome. If you you know yeah. if someone's talking about oh Brady's just gonna want to leave, like no, I doubt he does. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not worried about like re-signing guys off their entry level contracts because that was never a problem. There's always the next contract. So yeah, like I'm certainly not worried about that at all yet. But you know, we we still got a few years to um, enjoy these these young guys coming up and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it'll, it'll be fascinating. Sorry, that's why it's good to have Shabbat on the eight year deal too. Yeah, right? that, that's where that was so exciting because it's like that's eight years of a, a true quality top defenseman. So that sure. that was promising. So hopefully you can get. I don't think Brady's going to sign long term, but hopefully you can get him for like three or four years. Hopefully you can get Bathurst into like a seven year deal. Like I don't know, they they could make the proper moves there, and it would be super promising like that shabbat deal was really good i applaud him for that at least <laughs> yeah well and you can i mean honestly it's perfect i think it takes him right to age 30 which is like perfect like you don't i don't know i mean we see with a guy like carlson like he's after 30 he's kind of i mean he's still not god awful like he's you know last game he or sorry last night he had a fantastic game yeah. and he still has some skill but you know some of these guys really drop off after that so i think that was kind of a perfect contract for him but Last question here for you, Brennan. Which prospect currently unestablished on the roster, so like that would include Branstrom and Formington as well, are you most excited about in the future? Oof. 
it's a long list. I'm writing my my top 25 prospects article right now, so <laughs> I might I might honestly have to stick with Brandstrom. Ooh, but Pinto. <laughs> no, I might have to stick with Brandstrom. I I think he's better than average. Like a, a, it's kind of a split argument. A lot of people think he's just an average like second pairing guy. I don't think he's going to be like an all-star necessarily, but I think he's going to bring a lot to our team. Like I think he's going to play a big role. And no, his defensive game will never be stellar. That's not his game, though. He's an under. He's like five foot ten, and he's twenty one years yeah. old right now. So I think the way he carries the puck and the the zone entries, and you see it in Belleville, like the zone entries are crazy, and the power play effectiveness, and and I think that's going to be so important to our team. So I'm I'm really excited about him and Jake Sanderson too. Jake Sanderson really excites me all of a sudden. So <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, those yeah, who, two. Who are you most? Yeah, I mean, Branstrom certainly up there. I. I hadn't really given much thought, I guess. I honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but probably Sanderson. Um, just because I think he's going to add so much stability to the back end. Um, the fact that he can kind of do it all, jack of all trades. I think that's going to be, and don't get me wrong, I think Branstrom will be very important for that as well. But I think Sanderson will add something that they desperately need and they really haven't had since kind of like, chris phillips i guess um but i think he'll be even better than phillips um so it's yeah it's gonna be a, a lot of fun hopefully for you know the next few years with these guys coming up those two on a pairing too imagine that sanderson branstrom branstrom plays right <laughs> there you go i mean sanderson was playing on the right in north dakota yeah. too so who knows that would be a wicked pairing i hope to exactly see that. yeah should be a lot of fun all right well that should do it for today but before we go anything you'd like to plug brennan uh, you know, I'll plug the website a little bit. Just, uh, yeah, I started this up as sort of like a boost to what I'm already doing. And, and I write articles consistently on there. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. There's a good foundation on it right now. A lot of members, a lot of the forum super active and stuff. So it, it's been a fun, different kind of experience where I'm expanding into journalism a little bit more. And uh, mm. I hope to see more people come as time as time goes. But uh, it's been good so far. So Nice. Yeah. And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Everyday Sense. Everyday Sense. That's it. All right, so definitely go check those out if you haven't already. And thanks for coming on, Brennan. It's always fun to bring on a new guest. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a ton of fun. Of course. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Point cast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS, read my articles at Silver7Sends, and also follow my YouTube channel called The Hockey Shack. If you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send me a message at CP Pointcast on Twitter where you'll get any updates about the show. Thanks for listening. Adios.